You ever seen a ghost? Been abducted? Heard your name whispered from the other room when you're all alone? No, you say? Me either. But if you're like me, you're still fascinated by the paranormal. It seems everyone else has had an experience, and you want to believe it all. So why doesn't it happen to us? What does it all mean? How does it work? Is any of it real? Welcome to Paranorm Girl, a show that will attempt to answer these questions by taking the paranormal completely apart in search of proof. I'm not a blind believer, nor a hardened skeptic. I'm just looking for answers and willing to accept what I find. What's spooky with you? Of these, I am certain. I've had numerous experiences with this. Many can probably be chalked up to inaccuracies in memory and similar pieces of information blurring together. However, there are a few that I'm certain of. The first ME I ever experienced was the one that got me interested in the phenomenon. It was Chick-fil-A. For me, it was always spelled C-H-I-C, filet. I remember this quite clearly as I used to make a tired old joke about it being chic a comment that wouldn't make any sense with the current spelling. If I were not so certain of making this comment numerous times, then I wouldn't be so rock steady in my assertion. However, I am, and I've been interested since. As I mentioned, there have been numerous others that can be chalked up to inaccurate information. However, there are two others that I'm very certain of. The first is the spelling of Flintstones. This seems a very minor and semantic detail, however, I distinctly remember a conversation in this very subreddit concerning the subject. The discussion concerned how some remembered it as being Flintstones as opposed to the spelling that I was familiar with, Flintstones. The people making the argument that Flintstones was incorrect cited the very obvious argument that spelling it as such didn't make any sense, considering the pun in the name. I looked this up at the time to make sure that the spelling was indeed Flintstones and saw that it was. Lo and behold, that is no longer the case. The second is the spelling of Fruit Loops. The spelling had always been so for me. F-R-O-O-T. Until I saw a post here saying that the spelling was now F-R-U-I-T Loops, citing a lawsuit forcing the company to change the name, I believe. Now, I couldn't believe this at the time and looked it up, finding numerous pictures and articles on the matter all spelling the name of the serial as F-R-U-I-T. However, sometime later this change was reverted back to the original spelling. I made a point of memorizing this event and have stuck to it since, so I am reasonably certain that this recollection is not the result of faulty memory. As mentioned, there have been other times I have experienced this effect that I shall not mention here for brevity's sake. As to the cause behind this interesting phenomenon, I cannot speculate without diving into wild supposition. However, my own lived experience indicates that the effect is real for what it's worth. And as a result, I have questioned the nature of reality more than is probably healthy or indeed advisable. This effect has woken me up to the stranger side of existence somewhat. And ultimately, I am grateful for having experienced it. Welcome back to Paranorm Girl. I'm your host, Kristen. We're back at it again with another deep dive into some effects. But 
Before we begin the official lesson, I gotta quickly plug in an ME I had not been aware of prior to this season. But we gotta talk about it, yo. It's big. NASA agrees. Well, they don't think it has anything to do with this phenomenon. They just think it's interesting astronomy. This ME has come to my attention thanks to TikTok contributor Beady Eyes, who posted a video saying that she remembers our location in the Milky Way as being in the Sagittarius arm of the galaxy. Upon further online sleuthing, uh, other folks do too. A lot of other folks. However, thanks to the one and only Mandela effect, now people who thought this are discovering that no, we are located in the Orion arm. A few had noticed this change previously, but now, due to a recent discovery by NASA scientists, the paper they wrote on it, and the article they put out discussing it, more folks are becoming aware of this relocation. What was the discovery, you might be asking? Why, it's just a little break in the Sagittarius arm of our galaxy. Exactly where we had supposedly been previously located. No biggie, I'm not hyperventilating, you're hyperventilating. A previously unrecognized feature of our galaxy, scientists at NASA have discovered the first major structure of stars and star-forming gas clouds sticking out of the Sagittarius arm, oriented in such a way that it is dramatically different than the rest of the arm. They're saying that there is still much that remains unknown about said structure, as it is incredibly difficult to see fully from Earth's vantage point inside of the galaxy. In the article I included below, they keep referring to it as a new structure and say there is quite a bit of complexity in the region of it that has never been apparent before. The astronomers who study this stuff don't understand what causes spiral arms to even form in galaxies like ours. But they do understand, based on their study and measurement of individual stars in motion, that the stars found in this recently discovered structure likely were formed at around the same time. One of the paper's co-authors, Robert Benjamin, who is an astrophysicist at the University of Wisconsin, says, This structure is a small piece of the Milky Way, but it could tell us something significant about the galaxy as a whole. You think, Robert? There are people who believe we used to be located in that structure you're writing about. We were there. And now we're over here. Because we're not there anymore. Because Mandela. What the hell is happening up there, Robert? Jokes aside, this is Looney Tunes, right? Yes, again, with the Looney Tunes. So you know what? Let's just cover it now and start the show. The M.E. concerning this one is a spelling change. Numerous people report the tunes part of this to be spelled with the two O's which makes sense due to the entire show being made up of cartoons. However, Tunes is spelled to support the musical aspect of the show, T-U-N-E-S. Skeptics of this one claim it is a confusion with the show Tiny Tunes, which is spelled with the two O's, and that's a fair argument. But as you may recall from the Residue episode, I mentioned there was a ton of evidence supporting the alternate spelling of Looney Tunes. You can check that out at the Flickr collection I talked about. I will say, even with all of those residue examples, this is going to be one of those effects that can maybe too easily be explained away under the mistake and memory column. If we consider the mistake one could make, confusing it with the spelling of Tiny Toons, and also the expectation effect one could have because the show is a cartoon itself, I, I think you're picking up what I'm putting down. But... Another cartoon you may have already been aware was a hotly debated Mandela effect 
is Curious George. The alternate memory is that George at one time had a tail. Currently, he clearly does not. That film I covered called The Mandela Effect actually hinges a bit on this M.E. In the beginning of the film, we see the daughter grabbing her stuffed Curious George, holding him by his tail as she walks towards the water. If you hadn't already been aware of this effect, this might have been something you would have missed, as the change at the end is very subtle. But at the end, we then see the girl grabbing the tailless stuffed animal by the arm as she walks away. That was another part to this film that I really appreciated. There was some Easter eggery throughout the film, but even in that very first scene, they were expecting a certain amount of knowledge on the subject from their audience. As a consumer of the work, you were either going to catch it or you weren't, which can be another explanation why it has such a low rating, because a lot of people may not have been aware of that deeper level to it. All right, so what's the skeptical side to this one? What is the possible reason we would misremember? Ultimately, it doesn't really make sense that George would have a tail, does it? He's a chimp, an ape. They do not have tails. But as is the case with hundreds of other MEs, a logical reason why something shouldn't or wouldn't be a certain way in the first place isn't synonymous with the reason we are having the altered memory. That's not an answer. Okay, so uh, it's a false memory. Okay, I would agree if I were the only person to remember this, but I'm not. Next, we're confabulating. Now that we understand the two main types of confabulation, let's dissect. Let's say, for argument's sake, we select a random group of 1,000 people who believe Curious George had a tail. And let's say right off the bat that 17% of this group have dementia or Alzheimer's or brain damage. Why 17%? Because that is the global average for people with some neurological condition. And this is on the higher side too, as it also includes people who've had strokes or Parkinson's or epilepsy. But let's just say, for argument's sake, we go with the highest percentage possible. So immediately remove 170 people from this group because they have some neurological condition that would cause them to confabulate when provoked with a direct question. Fine. We're still left with 830 people, a vast majority, with otherwise healthy brains, who are apparently, out of their ass, spontaneously confabulating this same exact memory. I mean, is, is this one that we covered at our last meeting you guys, Mandela Affected Anonymous, have we all been reading the same ME user manual? I don't mean to poke fun at confabulation as a reasonable cause to some of this, because I believe that it certainly is. Absolutely. But I do mean to poke holes in it as I'm seriously having a hard time understanding how it can be the overarching reason. It cannot account for all of it. Another possible cause people could point to for this altered memory is something I haven't officially introduced yet called the misinformation effect. The main and strongest aspect of this effect is presupposition. But when discussing something like Curious George, it's also the weakest aspect, in my opinion. I'll explain. Presupposition is when certain information is already implied. And since it is, it is taken as inherent fact for whatever is being talked about. For example, 
If I ask you how fast you thought the car was going when it slammed into the guardrail, your presupposition is going to be that it was going really fast, because I implied it was when I said slammed. If you were a witness giving your testimony, this presupposition might alter your memory of said event. Yeah, damn. Maybe the, maybe the driver was going excessively fast. But what exactly is being implied when I ask you, does Curious George have a tail? I'm not asking, does he have a brown tail? Does Curious George have a short tail? I'm asking point blank a question that has only two possible outcomes that are completely opposite of each other. Yes or no? Does he or doesn't he? Now, can presupposition account for some of these Mandela effects? Yes, of course it can. It all depends on the way the question is asked, on the tone used when asking the question, on the respondent and their eagerness to please or yes and or be included in the group. Can it account for all of it, though? Can all of these combined? It starts feeling to me a little bit like, uh, like, like in order to answer the question, why am I remembering this differently in this way? We're all being, like, assigned a reason that most conveniently fits. You get a confabulation. You get a mental disorder. You get a presupposition. You know? I guess we'll continue this discussion, what this all is and isn't, soon enough. I think we've gone off the trail a bit. Can you blame me? I get excited. Okay, let's course correct. Uh, this next one's going to be one more for the skeptics, as it's a little uh, too uh, wiggly, I guess. Uh, chartreuse, the color. If you don't already know what I'm about to say, imagine in your mind this shade of color. Have it ready to go. I am sorry to report to you that chartreuse is not some variation of purplish red. It's green, a limish green, actually. I couldn't think of anything more on opposite ends of the scale than red and green. Uh, the reason I say this one is for the skeptics is because out of all of the examples of the Mandela-affected people who remember this one as anything other than green, while they aren't claiming it to be blue or yellow, they are kind of all over the red color spectrum, you know, vacillating between the different shades and combinations of pink, red, maroon, purple. So simply because no one seems to be able to point to a distinct color or color combination on this one, there doesn't really seem to be anything more I can do with this one. It's, it's interesting, but you see what I mean by, by too wiggly, right? Okay, for the final section on this episode, I'm either about to really disappoint the lot of you or make a bunch of you very happy because it means that we will be wrapping up this subject and moving on to another in just a few short episodes. I'm going to quickly run through a list of the remaining Mandela effects that I wanted to talk about this season, thus wrapping up our deep dive into the effects themselves. If I end up leaving anything off that you really thought should have been talked about in depth, please reach out and let me know. I can try to get them in somewhere before the season finale, but in short, I think you guys get the point by now. 
it was my full intention at the beginning of this season to do these deep dives into the effects themselves while also showcasing the different aspects of the Mandela effects, such as residue and the theories, and very shortly, the flip-flop phenomenon. And the entirety of all of these aspects, I don't think, is something that people really take a whole worldview perspective on when considering Emmy. But the displaying of the effects themselves, I wanted to show that, one, these exist. I think at this point it's undeniable to anyone that the Mandela effect as a phenomenon is happening and is currently alive and well. Two, I wanted a good representation of just how many there are. It should be taken into our consideration of this phenomenon, the fact that we are not just talking about a handful of instances here. The sheer number of these effects is incredible. The skeptic in me does start questioning whether the growing list is getting bigger by the day because people are now looking for more of them simply because they've become aware of it. They are uh, desperately trying to prove their own bias that the Mandela effect is real by adding to the discrepancy catalog. But then again, this massive list and counting as a standalone piece of this whole thing is incredibly impressive. If we're looking at the big picture here, it should make anyone, skeptic or not, hesitate to claim there is nothing to see here. And three, I wanted to give good examples of the very common widespread aspect of this to show just how many people all over could be affected by ME and just how easy it can be for anybody to be affected. And the reason I felt it was important to do all of these things was to introduce reasonable doubt. If you have really been following along and listening with an open mind, setting your own logic-based bias aside, taken all of these effects and the residue and the theories truly under consideration, if you are able to quiet your gut reaction, ask yourself honestly, do you have reasonable doubt right now, at this moment? I know I do. It's not quite as big for me as I thought it might be by this point, but it is there. I do have reasonable doubt that this is something that can entirely be explained via a logical reason. And if the doubt isn't there for you, that's all right. I said at the beginning of the season I would get at least one ah hell nah from my complete skeptics listening. Maybe that was a, a too big for my britches moment if you still aren't seeing what I and so many others are seeing. But you know what? It's okay. Throughout this show, there are going to be subjects that I am going to call bullshit on. This is just that for you. And since I'm saving my own gathering of facts and examining all that I've learned into one place until the finale, you know, my jury is still out. I may end up on that side of this phenomenon, and that is okay too. Ultimately, going all in or remaining all out of these subjects is not the point of this podcast. It's just the icing on the cake. We're just here to learn about it. So let us continue doing just that. I present to you my honorable mentions. In honor of my past status as an actor and my general love for all things cinematic, here are some television, movie quote, and entertainment-based effects. Fly, my pretties, fly! Was never said by the Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz. I see white people. Was never said in Scary Movie. 
And I mentioned it before, but it stuck with me. The line, if you build it, they will come, is actually, if you build it, he will come in the movie Field of Dreams. Great movie. Mr. Rogers' famous intro song goes, It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. No, I am your father, would be the correct way to say that line from Star Wars. The song that never ends, quite literally, is the song that doesn't end in Lamb Chop. We're gonna need a bigger boat? No, you fools, clean your ears out. It's you're gonna need a bigger boat. Alice in Wonderland has a rather famous line that now no longer exists. The interesting part with this one is the massive amount of residue from other TV shows and songs and movies. The line spoken by the Cheshire Cat in the tree is often remembered and quoted as, We're all mad here. If you watch that original cartoon nowadays, the line is, Most everyone's mad here. Another famous one from Disney is from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Most everyone, I don't care who you are, remember the line distinctly as mirror, mirror on the wall. However, the small but aggravating change replaces a word in the famous line instead making it magic mirror on the wall. Not sure if this can actually be counted as residue, but there were children's books and plays written with their versions of what the evil stepmother says as the former, more commonly remembered line. It gets a little convoluted when we could all just be talking about whether we're remembering the line said in the book version versus the line spoken in the actual movie. This M.E. remains in the honorable mentions list as there are those who do recall it incorrectly or no as being relayed as mirror, mirror in the animated film itself. And think I mentioned this one in passing, but it's one of my favorites. I've said it myself in real life. Nowhere in Silence of the Lambs exists the line, Hello, Clarice. Good lord, that one weirds me out. Ed McMahon did not do a commercial for Publishers Clearinghouse. With the oversized check and the balloons and the showing up to some stranger's house to give it to him, he was a spokesman for American Family Publishers. But what's strange is that he did not do a commercial for them either, where he held the check or balloons or showed up to people's homes in order to give it to them. So why do we remember these commercials starring Ed McMahon? It's a strange one, right? Only peeps of my age and older might get that one feel odd about it. Also peeps of my age, but probably a little older, might be able to partake in this next effect. Bruce Springsteen's famous cover photo on the album Born in the USA. White t-shirt, jeans hugging them sweet little buns, standing in front of the stripes of the American flag. Many people recall that hanging out of his right back pocket is a bandana. Expectation that it should be a bandana is attributed to this one, especially since he's wearing one in the music video and he also often wore one when he was performing. But it is actually just a folded up red baseball cap. And while we're on the subject of music, the famous song by Queen called We Are the Champions. I used to belt this song at the top of my lungs when I was a kid. I don't know why. I didn't even know the band who performed it. I just liked it, I guess. I and so many others are Mandela affected with this one, singing the last verse of this song incorrectly. 
We are the champions, no time for losers, cause we are the champions. And then that is where it ends. There's no final of the world. Leaves us, uh, leaves us wanting more, doesn't it? One more entertainment-based M.E. and we'll move on. A lot of folks are already aware of this one, but it's so insane to me still. Risky business. Tom Cruise's character slides out into the open doorway dressed in nothing but socks, a white button-down shirt, and sunglasses. God damn it, no he doesn't. The white shirt is now pink and no sunglasses can be found on his person. What the frick, man? Haley's comet is actually Hallie's comet. Mona Lisa is now smiling in her famous painted portrait. Thanksgiving does not fall on the third Thursday of November, but the fourth, at least as of 1941, when President Roosevelt signed the bill into existence, whether it was the final Thursday or second to final Thursday of the month. It is fair to say this M.E. might have been uh, like carryover from prior to 1941 and people simply carrying on with the idea it was an entirely different Thursday, passing the knowledge down to new generations and so on and so forth. Neil Armstrong did in fact die in 2012, which surprised many long after the fact. An interesting variation on the growing list of public figure deaths being Mandela'd where the figure in question actually was already dead when people thought he was still alive. Almost there, folks. Hang in there. Some quick misspelling mishaps. Oscar Mayer is spelled with an A instead of an E. Wonder if that also means I'm pronouncing it incorrectly as well as spelling it incorrectly. Oscar Mayer? Mayer? Hmm. Cheez-Its is just Cheez-It. No Z, babes. And J.C. Penney. This is another one that's just going to bug me forever and ever and ever. There's supposed to be an additional E right before the Y. J.C. Penney. And lastly, one more entertainment-based one. I lied. Sorry about it. C-3PO has one silver leg. Did you know this? Any die-hard Star Wars fans want to pipe in here? Tell me that you knew this and totally noticed this all along. Tell me how. I could have missed this in an entire trilogy I watched multiple times as a kid. I wanted to be a Jedi. I wanted to clean my room using only my mind. Star Wars wasn't just any old movie to me. It was a training video. And that concludes my honorable mentions and the deeper dive into the side of this phenomenon. In total this season, we've covered 50 effects thus far. And would you believe it? We have only but scratched the surface. Really looking forward to the next couple episodes. Uh, we are growing ever so close to the season two finale. We have only just a few more things to cover to wrap things up before the ultimate conclusion. And I remember feeling this sense of celebration at the end of season one. That finale was a really fun episode for me. It was like dumping a, a box of pieces onto a table and settling in to start putting the puzzle together. And I'm, I'm feeling that sense of celebration now. Uh, in light of this celebratory energy, in light of the recent sudden jump in followers over on the Instagram, in light of the surge in listens on the platforms, I'd like to hand the mic over to you. The approaching final episode means that we will be moving on to an entirely different subject for season three. I've got a couple topics on the table as possibilities, but I'm actually quite curious. If you, dear listeners, could learn about any paranormal topic next, 
what would it be? Send your suggestions over to paranormgirlpod at gmail.com. Remember to show your support by rating and reviewing on whichever platform you're listening. I feel most people think it's just a given that their regular show they tune into might always be around, will always be there to post the new episode the next week, but it really does take support from listeners to carry on and feel like we're not all just screaming into the void. Uh, And you might think it doesn't make any difference, your one rating or review, but it really means the world to me. And it helps others who might be searching for a good show to sink their ears into to find this show. There's a lot of content out there these days and very hard to not feel overwhelmed with the options. I know. I feel it, too. So help others out to more easily separate the wheat from the chaff. That is a wrap for today. Here's your final note. The misinformation effect and confabulation and false memory, and mass misremembering. These are good explanations. They really are. Logical, to the point. I really do like and appreciate that. But I ask you again, are any of these, or even all of these combined, enough to convince you that the Mandela Effect really is entirely in our own head? Because of the reasonable doubt I have awoken in myself, I'm not sold on that just yet. The number of effects, people's personal stories they have sent in to me, the effects that I simply cannot explain to myself. These are aspects that all contribute to my continued look at this topic. If you are on the fence, as I am, We might be swayed to one side or the other if we see that nail in the coffin that we're looking for. And that may occur sooner than you think when we spend some time learning the very non-paranormal side to this phenomenon. That's right, one for my skeptics out there. And you know, I'm curious how I will feel about all of this after that episode. Because there are more logical reasons to this phenomenon that we haven't discussed yet. But we owe it to ourselves to learn all of the logical explanations. And no matter which side you land on, ultimately, we just want an answer, don't we? This is a hard subject to think about for any length of time. Hurts your brain, stretching with all the possibilities. Hurts your ego, a little bit, to question whether you might be wrong, and have been wrong the entire time. What does your instinct tell you? This is a massive topic. Which parts do you think you've gotten it wrong? Any of it? Any? At all? If you're a full-on believer, you innately know that your instinct transcends knowledge, as Nikola Tesla so eloquently put it. We have finer fibers that enable us to perceive truths when logical deduction or any other willful effort of the brain is futile. Smart guy. Deeper than I was expecting. But you guys have been proven wrong before, haven't you? You know how that feels. You know how to own up to it, yeah? If you're a full-on skeptic, your reality is completely based in fact, hard evidence, proof. These are valuable expectations in order to reach a deduction. If you can't feel, taste, hear, see, smell it, 
if it hasn't been peer reviewed, if it, if it doesn't have the 100% backing of the scientific community, then it's non-existent, right? A non-issue. Because we all know that nothing exists outside of our five senses, that no idea before its time finally got its day in the sun embraced by academia, and that the scientific community has always known, currently knows, and will always know everything that there is to know. Right? Or if you're like me, the best of both worlds. I love hard evidence, love it. Facts, ooh, tell me more. I adore science, I actually do. It's incredible. But God damn it, if I know somehow, beyond my own damn capability to know, that I do not know everything. There's not gonna be proof with this one. Spoiler alert. If there was, this no longer would be a paranormal phenomenon. I wouldn't be covering it. There aren't any scientists waiting in the wings to back me up here. The only variables really to look at this one and know what you think and how you truly feel about it is going to be personal experience. And if you have had personal experience with ME, were you able to explain it to yourself? And if you were able to explain it, are you able to explain how thousands of others have your same memory? And if you're able to explain that, then why do you still have doubt? Stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open.